Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. So the texts for today are from primarily what Rich read in James, and then also that which I read just a little bit ago from Mark, kind of that last part. I'll talk about that at the very end of the message. So we're continuing with this whole idea of what kind of steals uh, at Christmas and steals yeah, maybe even the um, whatever, the joy, the, the satisfaction, whatever word you want to put in there. And today we talk about conflict, the conflict that stole Christmas. So the stress that you and I have in life, and actually... Rich read a little bit of that in terms of introducing the candle that we lit today or that was lit today. The, the stress that kind of comes up in our lives, it, it kind of, it, it piles up. And when that stress piles up, I wonder what happens. I was actually looking at that this week in terms of what causes that stress, particularly at Christmas. And it's a uh, it's a kind of a phrase that was new to me. It's hyper, you know, kind of heightened, hyper co-presence. Well, what does that mean? Hyper co-presence. That means when you're like with people for, uh, and by the way, people, it really is kind of a code for when you got lots of family around in the same spot and, um, you have limited number of bathrooms and lots of children, although how lovely they are, and things are going around. It's like uh, that causes some, uh, some stress and some conflict, and I wonder how it is. And by the way, it's not just that. It's all kinds of other stuff, too. I wonder how it is that you and I deal with and then yeah, deal with in a positive way and maybe even a bigger word, con- conquer that conflict. And so... I want to take us to where Rich took us just a little bit ago in terms of that James uh, reading and the, the James information. And here it is from James 4, 1 through 3, what causes fights and quarrels among you. How come you folks are fighting and quarreling? Uh, don't they come from your desire and the battle within you and uh, you desire... Uh, you desire, but you don't have, and so you kill, you covet. There's another word that we put in there, but you can't get what you want, and you, so you quarrel and you fight. You don't have because you don't ask God, and when you ask, you don't receive. Well, wait a second. Here it is. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I'm done. Here it is. That was from James. But now let's go to that passage, that one passage there. It's up on the screens. What causes those fights among you? How come? Don't they come from your desires and the battles within you? And I think that we need to take a look at, you and I. And I actually, this is a sermon that, uh, I mean, I, I get that I'm supposed to listen to myself This is how I listen to myself. You know, the voice goes here into my ear, but into my heart. Uh, This is one that I need to listen to even more. Maybe you all do as well. I'll tell you where some of this conflict comes, and one of them is that twisted desire. We've got this idea of, so what what do we do? There's always this tension in us. I think there's going to be some pictures up here. 
Like, uh, okay, so we got it. Uh, this is not exactly how it works, but this is how it, you have to look at it for a second. You got the angel and the devil on your shoulder, and it's like, which one do you do? How does this work for you? Or here's another one. One's calling out, you know, the, the, the angel's calling out, no, and the devil's going on, do it, no, do it. And we got this stuff that goes on, this tension that goes on, and, and who is it that we're going to serve? I mean, it's, you know, which one of these are we going to serve? And how about this? Not only do, which one are we going to serve, but here's, I think, it's really the question for us. Do, and I'll make this pronoun me. I'll, I'll do it I and me today. Even though I'm not supposed to do that, I'll do it today. Do I want to be served or do I want to serve? Do I want to serve or be served? Am I a giver or a taker? By the way, this all has to do with conflict. When we, when I and you, when we choose poorly, our desires and our, somebody shared with me before the worship service today, you know, with some of the stuff, the junk that happens in our lives that is not good, it happens because we live in a broken world. In this broken world, Christians living in this broken world, this less than perfect world, our desires, what we want, comes into this, this conflict with the other desires that other people have who choose poorly as well. You choose poor, we choose poorly, others choose poorly, and we get this stuff going on. So here's, let me give you this quick one. If someone wants to be served and you serve them, there's no conflict. I said it last week, it's a nice phrase that people use sometimes. No, duh. Or if someone is a taker and you give, there's no conflict. My dad was great at this. If you can believe this, I used to be sassy towards my father. And I would challenge him just to try to get him going. And sometimes I would sass him and get him going, not get him going, but sass him, and I'd wait there. I'd wait for this conflict to start. And he'd look at me, and he'd say, I think you're right. And that took all the fun out of it. I absolutely did not like that. You know, this is important. Are we givers or takers? And when we run into takers, are we willing to be givers? And sometimes when, when that doesn't work, you and I are so quick to blame other people. We blame them for the conflict. I can't get along with you, Jose. By the way, you're new here, and I'll use you every once in a while. Get used to it. Sorry. By the way, this is what a blessing. What a blessing Jose is. But I think about, you know, using that example. If I can't get along with Jose, I'll start to blame him. It's got to be him. It has got to be his fault. And you know, you and I can stop this stuff pretty quickly as Christians, as followers of Jesus, just by putting others before us. Oh, really? Just that way? Oh, just by putting other 
people before us. This comes right out of Romans. This is what I'm going to share with you. It's Romans 12, and there are kind of some selected verses in that chapter. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. In case you didn't hear that, I'll say it again. Bless those who persecute you. And bless and do not curse or blame. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There it is. Live at peace with everyone. As you consider the, the, the welfare, the good of other people. And it's a simple question. Are you, am I, willing to do that? Are we willing to do that? Because these twisted desires are a great source of conflict. And then, right out of our James passage, there's another source of this conflict stuff. <laughs> Comes out of uh, James 4. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you are asking with wrong motives. This happens to, to be how it is that you and I, in some of our regular parts of life, just push God to the side. It's like God is not center. And the only time that we put God center is when there's a crisis. When things are going well and we're eating our Christmas cookies and all the stuff is just kind of sailing along and we got our Christmas uh, shopping done and the decorations are done and everything's smooth, and we're smooth, we're not conversing with God. We don't have him at the center. We kind of push him to the side and let us just kind of relish and, and bask in this good part of life. But when life gets stinky, we start to look to that outside and say, God, come on in, now I'm going to talk to you. And I think that's where you and I get into trouble. We rely on God only when we need him. And we don't ask for God in this consistent way. And we don't converse with him in a consistent way. That really does have to do with getting into God's word. It really does have to do with opening his word and doing it in a daily way. And it does have to do with praying to God in a daily way. I remember when our kids were growing up, it was just this big battle of being consistent in this thing of say please and thank you, please and thank you, please and thank you. By the way, rerun, here we got grandkids. Papa, I'd like to have this. Well, what do you say? You know, it's all this stuff. But how do we do stuff on a daily basis? Not just please and thank you, but dear God. Not pushing him to side and then pulling him in only when we need him. James talks about these conflicts. Conflicts with others and conflicts with God. And the solution to this stuff is not easy, but it's straightforward. The first thing is, and I'll, I'll pull out that passage from James 4, verse 10. The first one has to do with humility. 
Humble yourselves before God or before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Lift you up. By the way, every once in a while, I misspell things on purpose just to make sure that you're paying attention, all right? And he will not life you up. He will lift you up, all right? So this is the issue of humble. And when you and I are in conflict, this humility sometimes just goes right out the window. When you and I always want to have the upper hand and the last word, I've learned in relationships, and sometimes those are not easy lessons for me, I have learned in relationships to sometimes keep my mouth quiet, just like shut. Ask people to do things even though I think they can't do them as well as I can. You ever had that feeling? (laughs) They can't do it as well as you can. You ask them to do it, And it is so hard to just keep it zipped. You know what has happened to me? And I'm still learning this stuff. But you know what's happened to me? Is when I keep my mouth quiet and the job is done, I oftentimes realize that they have done the job much better than I ever could have done it. And I'm not as surprised anymore at my age that people can do things better than I can in any given area. Humility is recognizing that there are lots of people that can do it better than I can. And humility is this, is recognizing that God can always do it better than I can. He will always do it better. And when I go to him, not just when the the, the crisis hits, but when I go to him in a daily, remember, please, thank you, every day. When I go to him on a daily basis and in his word and somehow in that prayer time, I recognize more clearly, this conflict with God is not necessary, but it is instead humility. There's another thing that goes with this conflict, and it's not just with God, but then it's also with other people, and it's a formal word, and it's called charity. From James 4, verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Pretty simple here. Don't slander one another. You know what slander is? Slander is telling the truth when it's not helpful. And then sometimes throwing in a little exaggeration and non-truth. I've had people tell me, and I've challenged people on, for what reason did you share that information or do that? And here's the answer I've gotten. Well, pastor, it's true. You know, slander is using truth against people instead of lifting them up. I was in the sacristy here about six weeks ago, and somebody said, Pastor, I got something to share with you. He said, there's two ways that you can tell somebody some really hard things and have the upper hand. Number one is this. When you uh, share something, you say it in a blunt way. Like, how about this one? Pastor, your sermon stunk. Hmm. Uh, Just saying, there's the phrase, just saying. Pastor, your sermon stunk. Oh, just saying. In other words, I get free reign. I can say whatever I want. Here's the second thing that the person shared with me. You can say anything you want if you say this. Pastor, your sermon stunk. Bless your heart. 
Some people actually mean bless your heart, and they don't use it with that stuff. I've been thinking about that these last six weeks when somebody shared that with me. Sometimes we slander people. We think, this is true. And I'm going to tell you so forth. Oh, and by the way, I'll just, just so that you don't have a comeback, bless your heart. Just saying. Think about that. So what do we do with that? You, can, you don't need to look it up now, but maybe a little bit later or next week when you come early for worship. Look on page 321. Don't do it now. It's the explanation to the Eighth Commandment. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, don't talk evil about your neighbor. What's the last phrase of the explanation? But explain everything in the kindest of ways. Explain everything in the kindest of ways. Boy, I've got to listen to that. What would it look like if you and I held our tongue this week? Remember Jesus, and this is what I read from Mark. It has to do with Jesus before the high priest. The, the high priest is questioning Jesus. Well, what do you say? What do you say? And what did Jesus do? He zipped it. He didn't say anything. He didn't have to defend himself. He, just, he was quiet. And what would this look like if you and I were to hold our tongue this week? Jesus doesn't, doesn't assume the worst, but he assumes the best. Jesus is on the cross. Remember? He came, lived, died, rose again for all of humanity. Jesus is on the cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When he does open his mouth, he's speaking words of forgiveness. What is that going to look like if you and I assume the best of people this week? By the way, this season, by the way, this month, this next year, how about this going forward stuff? And Jesus, also with the woman at the well, remember this, this woman who, boy, all kinds of husbands and all this and that and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says, well, where are you? All, all, all the people who are, are, are ready to throw stones? Or where are the people who are the accusers? And she says, there are none. And so what does Jesus says? Jesus says this, neither do I accuse you. Just go and sin no more. when we can assume the best and when we can walk with people, what, if, what would that look like if, if we can show grace to people this week? Boy, I think about grace from the cross and in that open tomb. This challenge to be charitable to people. Hold your tongue, not literally. Say something nice. Maybe even say something nice about and with people that you struggle with. And you put the best construction on, on, on this situation. And then you show somebody grace. Show somebody grace. And repair and maybe even begin a relationship on a way different note. Do I have your attention now?
Hark the herald angels sing. There's a phrase in there. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. That's right, Dorothy. Reconciled. Hmm. So God's, yeah, no pun, peace to you. In the next week, two weeks, and beyond. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.